What's that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? I was in my room and I heard a ruckus. Can you describe the ruckus? I swear I heard a ruckus. I love good ruckus. You did hear a ruckus. It's the world around you, and it's more than just Wi-Fi today. It's everything from edge to securing your most important traffic, and we're going to talk about it on What's That Ruckus? This podcast is not an official production of Comscope or its affiliates, and opinions here represent the thoughts and expressions of the individual, not the corporate entity they represent. So strap in, get ready for 30 minutes of the hottest technology, yesterday's, today's, and tomorrow's. Get ready for What's That Ruckus. Hey everybody, welcome back for another What's That Ruckus. My name is Sean Lucas and I'm your host. Today, our episode is going to be titled just after the blog that we're going to talk about today. What's the title? What's the big deal with Mac randomization? So I have the expert on Mac randomization with us on What's That Ruckus today. His name is Jim Palmer. He is a solutions architect for Comscope in the Ruckus Networks division. Jim, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Sean. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have you on. I love when smart people are on, especially people that are a lot smarter than me. So you definitely qualify for that one. Are you sure you invited the right person? <laughs> <laughs> so you wrote some blogs a few months back. Actually, we had you on the show a few months back talking about Mac randomization. And, you know, very soon after it became this huge deal in the industry, everybody started freaking out and what's Mac randomization? How's it going to affect us? You know, it was almost like Y2K Armageddon shit going on out there. People just, are, you, know, you know, dogs and cats living together, fire falling from the sky, all kinds of awful things were happening. So things obviously have changed. It's five months now since iOS 14 came out. Uh, let's talk about this a little bit. You just wrote a, a follow up blog called So Really, What's the Big Deal About Mac Randomization? Why did you feel like you had to write a third part? You know, it stems from the amount of questions that I was getting from, you know, even my own team members, you know, people, the guys that would call me and be like, so I don't understand, you know, you went on this big tirade months ago about Mac randomization. It's now been out for five months, but I'm not seeing, you know, they're like, I don't really understand what is the big deal. And so because I was getting all these questions from you know, internal, external, everywhere. There's still this question of why did the industry, why did me, why did all of us make such a big deal about Mac randomization? If in reality, it really wasn't that big deal. And, it, and it's funny that you bring up the Y2K analogy because I mean, that's really, that's the same analogy that I used and in my, in this uh, upcoming blog post is it really does feel like a Y2K thing where everybody got all Twitter pated, everybody got excited. It happens, you know, nothing really came of it. And so now people are really asking, you know, hey, what is, you know, why did you make such a big deal about it? Because from where I'm sitting, you know, as, as somebody else, there wasn't that big a deal. And it was all a lot of hype for absolutely nothing that came from it. Well, I, I suspect that the hype or lack of hype when people said nothing really came of it, they're not on the technical side. They don't see all the machinations that are going on on the backside, or maybe they're not doing anything in their network that, necessarily you know a a change in mac address would affect right so maybe not securing users maybe not tracking or monetizing users 
because anybody that's doing any of that sort of thing, Macs need to kind of stay the same, right? Well, right. But I have to disagree with you because a lot of these questions were coming from people that are doing that stuff, that were oh. seeing all this stuff. I mean, so there was this slight hiccup. And part of the problem, part of the reason why it was when iOS 14 actually was released, what happened was, is people would upgrade to iOS 14 because your device sits there and this incessantly tells you upgrade, 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 upgrade. And so finally you go, fine, I'll upgrade just so you'll stop bothering me. <laughs> so leave me alone. So people would upgrade to it and then they'd be like, oh yeah, I want to go look at this Mac randomization thing. So I'd go look on the settings on their phone and it would show that the private Mac address was enabled. However, they were still using their burned in Mac. And so they were like, okay, so this was completely about nothing. But then what happened is, is 24 hours after the upgrade, the device would then dump the, the burned in Mac and it would start using a new random Mac address. And Whoops. so, and so everybody was like, oh, and so there was a little bit of a hiccup there, but because the Mac address never changed again. So whatever Mac address, you know, you random Mac address you were using in September right after you upgraded to iOS 14 is still the same Mac address that you're using today. It's not, it's not your burned in Mac address. However, it's the same random Mac address day in and day out. So from their perspective, there was a slight hiccup when it came out, but because not everybody upgrades at the exact same time, they never had that problem. You know, it was just sort of this slow little, Oh, we're going to onesie twosie deal with it that way. But then the, the problem went away because your iPhone, iPad, watch, you know, whatever, wasn't changing its MAC address. So you still had that one single stable MAC address. You might not be able to look at it and go, oh, that's an, you know, an Apple, at least not originally, but, you know, you still had that same MAC address. So nothing really changed from that perspective. So people were like, so nothing really happened. Why are you, again, why are you making such a big stink about it? Right. But just because it doesn't change every time while you're sitting there doesn't mean it isn't going to change again. Not eventually. I mean, right now, yes. But, of mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that's kind of where I'm trying, this is where this, this topic comes back up again, is I'm trying to bring it back to the forefront and say, look, we think it's coming. In fact, when you look at the progression of how we went from devices using a random MAC address to probe to it was something that you can enable. You could go into your device in the advanced settings and be like, hey, I want to enable a random MAC address to being enabled by default. And when you start looking at the big chart of that progression, what you realize is Windows 10 has enabling a 24-hour random feature by default or by um it's a, it's a, not a default setting, but it's an, it's an optional setting that you can go in and change. Android 11 has it as well is in, in a super secret developer option where you can go in and say, Hey, I want to turn on this 24 hour feature. So when you look at the fact that there's this natural progression from probing to an optional feature to enable by default, and then you realize that the 24 hour feature right now is in that optional stage. We, we expect to see iOS 15 come out. And say, you remember that option, you know, that beta test we did last year with 24 hours? Yeah, we're bringing it back and we're not going to dump it this time. I think Apple took pity on us in in iOS 14 and went, oh yeah, you guys are screwed. So we're going to back off of this, you know, this feature and, and, and give you time to develop. But if other vendors are, if, if you're not taking the time, I mean, they gave us a year, you really gave us a warning and said, look, this is coming. 
So get ready for it. And I feel like a lot of people are just going, oh, that wasn't a big deal. So Y2K, we're going to shove our head back in the sand and pretend that we don't have to worry about it. So it is kind of a big deal then and more of a big deal that we went. We acknowledge this. It's a real thing, but we're going to ignore it. That seems kind of silly. So how do we as a company, let's start with us because, I mean, it's all about us, right? How do we deal with this I mean, do we have an answer today and will we have an answer when it becomes a big deal again? So we have an answer today. And for us, it's cloud path and using, you know, using an external service to, to handle this stuff. I mean, the fact of the matter is a lot of the WLAN infrastructures, you know, APs, controllers, whatever, and whatever platform you're on, they're really not designed to be as be robust enough to handle a development like this. So, you know, our solution is, Hey, you know what? We have DPSK and then we have this platform cloud path that can handle, you know, this is specially designed, specially built to, to do this exact function. So, you know, we're, our solution is we're going to point to cloud path and say, you know what, instead of trying to get our controllers or APs to do everything else that we want them to do, plus manage hundreds of devices that are changing their Mac address every 24 hours. You know, the idea is, you know, Hey, let's, we need to get that off of there and get it onto a platform that's specially designed, engineered to handle that type of function. And so that's the solution that we have is, is, and it's not a, it's not the solution that most, you know, customers want to hear because basically what we're telling them is, you know, what we sold you two years ago, three years ago, whatever, can't handle this development. So we need to sell you something else. But through all the research and work I've done, that's just the answer. It's not, you know, it's not something that we've come up with and say, Hey, you know what? We're going to enable random Mac addresses in iOS 14 so we can sell you another product. We just happen to have a product already that can handle it. And other vendors, not so much because they haven't, you know, they're either late to the party with the dynamic pre-shared key or individual pre-shared key or whatever the P personal pre-shared key, whatever they call it. They are sort of late to the party and how they, how they handle it and how they, they manage it. And so that's the solution. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that we have to tell our customers that, Hey, we need you to go buy something else, mm -hmm. but like I point out, it's, it's not like we're the ones that said, oh, Apple and Google and Microsoft, go ahead and enable this 24-hour feature because we need to sell more product. <laughs> when we talk about CloudPath and its ability to solve this problem, it's because the way it's the way CloudPath works. And it just happens to, like you said, intuitively and have the capability to do these things. Are there customers out there that could run into this problem that CloudPath is not the right answer for? like say a transient user network where we're paying for access, that sort of thing. I like to pride myself as someone who doesn't just sit there and, and, and go, you know, we're the only ones that can solve your problem. There are other solutions that do it. And it really boils down to the, it depends answer and reality. The, the longer answer is what does the customer really want their networks to do? How do they want to interact with their end users? You know, do if it's just a, a simple point and click, get you through, and we don't care that you have to see that portal once a day, you know, once every, I mean, I've, I've been on networks where they were like, oh, we want you to re-accept the terms and conditions or accept, acceptable use policy 
every four hours. That's misery. Oh, it is. And I have many blog posts on my own personal blog about how that's just a disaster and I hate it and it's terrible. But there are customers that say that's what we want to do. And if you want to look at your end users like that, then that's your call. Um, if you want to have a little bit more of a flexible, you know, a little bit more of, hey, you know what, we want to get analytics where you want to, you know, try to charge customers. We want to, you know, this idea of we're going to give you just a little bit for free to, to say we have a free option, but we also then want to be able to allow you to pay. I'm trying to come up with a good, <laughs> a good way to, to, to phrase this without <laughs> making people sound bad. But if, you know, if you want to say, Hey, we're going to give you a free option, but you know, we'll give you an option to pay us to have a, a better or faster connection or not have to see the portals all the time. It comes down to how do you want to interact with your customers? If, if you have another solution to bill the customers with, say they're, you're a MDU or you're a, you know, something like that where you're like, Hey, we're billing you and Wi-Fi is part of the service. CloudPath works, but however, if you're in a transient location, CloudPath isn't exactly the best because it doesn't have that payment option built in that allows you to to charge customers without actually having to physically or you know in, interact with them directly. Mm -hmm. So if if you're say in an airport or you're in a, a transient location where you want somebody to be able to come in and be like, Hey, I'm going to register for it. I'm going to do it all from my phone. I'm going to pay for it. And I'm going to have a secure billing and flexible solution. Then, you know, you and I both know that that answer is RG nets. I mean, it's literally in the name. <laughs> yeah. It is literally what they call themselves. Yes. They're, they're a revenue <laughs> extraction gateway. And, you know, they're, they're actually a partner of ours. So we've, we've taken their, their product through our labs and been like, yes, this works. And we have some documentation on it. So, but again, it's with that thing of, you have to know how you want to interact as a customer, how you want to interact with your end users and what you're trying to get out of it. And then from there, you can pick the solution that best matches your needs. Well, and I think that that's kind of the essence of IT, right? Ever since, you know, we go back to, you know, it's the, the standard interfaces of the early computing days, you know, and, and how everything could work together and, and how cool that was. And I think we still apply that today in a lot of ways because I don't think anything is one size fits all. And I really dislike when vendors try to, just kind of frame things in that way that you know, we're one size fits all one stop shop. We've got everything you need. Well, it depends on the customer, right? It depends. I mean, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Uh, do you see this Mac randomization issue? It's not a one size fits all, but it is a one size affects everybody, right? This ultimately will affect every device or every iOS device, obviously, which is the most common. Do we see Android devices following suit? Is this eventually going to affect every mobile user? And is every network going to need to do something about this? Kind of going back to your point about Android, Android was the first person, the first OS to come out with using the MAC address to a random MAC address to connect to a network. It wasn't iOS. iOS didn't lead the charge on this one. iOS mm -hmm. led the charge on probing. Then Android followed them. But and 
Android then made the jump to using a random MAC address when connecting to a, a network. They made that change in Android 10. Why nobody noticed it is because both Android 10, 10 and Android 11 have an adoption rate of about 16%. So, and then Android, because it's not a set line, because everybody gets to go in and make their own little changes to it. They get to you know, tweak it. They get to make it do how they want it to work. It's not the same across the board. So you can have an Android 10 device that should have random Mac address enabled by default, but it doesn't. So there was this randomness that Android introduced to the, the Mac randomization that they sort of said, even though some devices were able to use it, not all of them were, but Android 11, you know, same thing. We're seeing this thing where it's now enabled by default and we're starting to see it, but because Android devices don't update, I mean, I have a two-year-old phone that is still on Android eight, you know, Ooh. whereas if you had an iPhone that was two years old, you'd definitely be on iOS 14. So because of that change, you know, we're not seeing it as much. And Honestly, Android has a lot more market share than Apple does, but it's hard to track because Google doesn't release the numbers and every, every de uh, device manufacturer is treated just a little different. So you'd have to aggregate, aggregate all those numbers, but it's definitely coming. You know, it's just a matter of time. If you're a heavy Apple environment, then you're going to see this, you know, sooner. If you're a heavy Android it's going to happen, but it's not going to happen for a little bit, of, you know, a little bit longer. And again, with Windows 10, you know, it's not even a hidden option. You know, Windows 10, if you just scroll down in your window for your, your W, your Wi-Fi, Nick, it's sitting down there. And so if someone's bored and sitting around and goes, I wonder what this does. And they click the 24 hour option, then they're going to see it, you know, sooner because it's not hidden. So it's to your point, it's not a, it's not a, Oh, only if you're this and this and this, it's just a matter of time. It's not an if, it's just a question of when. Maybe this will help if we break this down a little bit for our listeners out there. I, I think maybe there's a misnomer in some people's heads that says, well, you know, with my style of network, that's not going to affect me. Uh, maybe I own a restaurant and this is a public Wi-Fi network. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but pretty much everybody is going to see some effect from this on some on some frame, some way, uh, given that most everybody, if you were using a captive portal in that restaurant, for example, you have a captive portal where users accept terms and conditions, and then you're on the network. Well, that captures your MAC address. That's what that does. So that device is now authenticated for the day to this free, you know, open network by accepting terms and conditions. When you come back tomorrow, you got to do it again because it's not a forever thing. Now, whether, regardless of what the period is, I think, you know, like you said, some people did it every four hours. How incredibly freaking painful is that? <laughs> but, you know, it's, I mean, every 24 hours, their MAC address changes. So every time you come back, you're a new user as far as that network is concerned. So if they're, if they have sign up accounts or anything like that, right, if you can sign up for an account and now you never have to log in again, uh, that service better be able to handle MAC randomization kind of like CloudPath does or RGNets does. Uh, I'm sure there's a few other firewall vendors out there that are probably working on solutions for this as well. But without it, users are treated like they're brand new every single time, right? Correct. And if that's how you want your network to run, then quite honestly, there isn't a big deal. 
from the user experience perspective, there's another thing that I talk about that where I think that could impact places like coffee shops or restaurants or stuff like that. And it comes down to uh, an anomaly in, in how DHCP or dynamically hosted control protocol, and that's how mobile devices get their IP address assigned. A lot of these locations have a 24 hour lease set up on the IP address. So when you walk into the coffee shop with your phone, you, you know, you get your coffee, you sit down, you connect to their Wi-Fi, and your device says, Hey, I'm looking for an IP address. And they have a DHCP server and he comes back and goes, yeah, that's my job. Here's your IP address. And you have it for the next 24 hours. And so your device goes cool and you just start working and then you forget about it. The problem is when you go back the next day and you present a new Mac address, the DHCP server still has your, your IP address from the day before is still cached. And more importantly, the DHCP server holds that IP address lease for an additional lease period. So when you get a, a one day lease, it's actually out of the pool for 24 hours. Even if you're only in that coffee shop for 20 minutes and then you get up and leave, that MAC address to IP address reservation and binding is there for, for 48 hours. And so if you have a busy coffee shop or a busy restaurant that is going to see a lot of devices changing their MAC address, now all of a sudden you have to accommodate in a, in a normal class C, which I hate, but a slash 24 network, you generally have about 250 addresses. You know, if you had 300 people come in each day and, or even if you had 250 people come in the first day and then the next day, there's 250 people come back and they all have new Mac addresses, there's not going to be an IP address for them to get. They're going to try to associate. It's going to sit there. It's going to spin and eventually their device is going to get up and it's going to tell you, Hey, you have a Wi-Fi problem. It's not a Wi-Fi problem. It's a DHCP pool exhaustion because you've run out of IP addresses. And so if you don't change that, and it, and this isn't just a ruckus thing, this is across the board. This is a, this is a layer three issue where, and all you have to do is change your configuration and say, Hey, you know what, instead of a, a 24 hour lease, let's give them a six hour lease. You know, that way it keeps that pool fresh. It keeps that pool rotating over because if you're only using it for 20 minutes, why should it be reserved to that Mac address for 48 hours today without the Mac address changing? When you go back in the next day and you go, Hey, I'm the same Mac address as I was yesterday. And the DHCP server says, Ooh, I know about you. Here's the, here's your same IP address from yesterday. And so you're like, sweet. So what's going to happen is new devices are going to fail. Old devices are going to work and everybody's going to be like, what the hell? I, I wonder about that too, though. I mean, I think that there's probably a lot of network admins and maybe probably a lot more prevalent in home networks than enterprise networks. But I know personally here, I don't run static addresses. I do everything via DHCP static mapping. Uh, I just map every MAC address to an IP and that way I always know where stuff is. But then I don't have to worry about configuring the device or do anything weird. I just wait for it to jump on the network and then put it where I want it. So, you know, for mobile devices, for me and my home network, that would cause a problem if I didn't have an RxG, but I do. So since I have an RGNets, I don't have to worry about it. Uh, I can configure their stuff and I'll be done. But I think that there are networks out, and network admins out there that probably do similar things in enterprise networks on, on some levels with static mapping. That's going to cause them a little bit of a problem, right? Static mapping is a problem. And also the other thing for network administrators, especially if you're running a Windows DHCP server, mm -hmm. the default setting for the lease time is seven days. 
Oof. Well, Microsoft is Microsoft, so they must know better, right? Yeah. So, so think about this. So you just go, great. I'm, I have this big Microsoft, you know, server farm sitting over here. We're going to spin up a VM. It's going to run Windows Server 2018 or 20, whatever they're on now. You set up your DHCP. You don't check that timer thing, and it's and it saves that IP address for seven days. But it, not only is it seven days, it's actually 14 days. So if you think about, you know, 20 devices or 40 devices that are changing their MAC address every day, and for every single one of those MAC addresses, it saves an IP address for 14 days. It's never going to see that MAC address after day one, but it's going to hold it for an additional 13 days just in case it ever comes up again, which is not. You're going to run out of DHCP addresses in on day two. That's what I was just thinking, that depending on the number of devices that you have, you could be out of, out of IPs in a class C in no time. Yeah. And the other thing to your point about home networks, you know, there's a lot of home networks that are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to limit my kids time to get on the Wi-Fi. You know, I'm going to make sure that when they're supposed to be studying, they're 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 not, you know, going to YouTube or playing games or, you know, if they're supposed to be sleeping, I'm going to cut off their access. That's all based on the MAC address. Yeah. And so... You know, if, if you were a kid and you went, hey, you know what? I can figure out on my Windows laptop that there's this little setting down there. And yeah, I got to deal with that restriction for 24 hours, but then it's gone. That's going to spread throughout a school. You know, and all of a sudden you're going to have entire states where kids are like, oh yeah, I know how to get around my, my parents setting up my little home ISP router to limit my time because it's all based on the MAC address. Can you imagine being that network admin that sees Pornhub traffic go up by 2000% in a school because of that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because all of a sudden they're like, ooh, I know how to get around. Because all the all these blocks, you know, are all based on, on the MAC address because you're saying, oh, but my teachers, I want my teachers to be able to get on whenever. I want parents to get on whenever. And because they run DHCP, you can't do it by IP address unless no. you're, you know, and... And so there's, there's a lot of these little gotchas that aren't necessarily related to Wi-Fi or WLAN networks in general. These are gotchas that are up to stack. You know, I talk about what if you're a, an enterprise where your um, IT administrators have Windows laptops and they, you set them up to where, oh, they're going to get a reserve DHCP and then they're going to, we're going to give them access through the firewalls or ACLs to get to other places because that's all IP based. Well, if their MAC address changes, they don't get the same IP address, which means that now all of your layer, you know, three, four and above stuff starts to die because the source IP address is now no longer that reserved one. So there's a lot of these little gotchas that happen that aren't related to layer two where Wi-Fi lives. They're related higher up the stack. Very much so. So we're coming to the end of the episode here, Jim. And, you know, whenever you and I sit down and talk, it goes in just seconds. So hopefully everybody's enjoyed this. But I'm just going to ask a couple of quick hit questions. Mm -hmm. Number one, does this affect everybody? Yes or no? Yes. Of the people that it affects, who should be the most concerned? Which verticals, which industries, if they're listening to this, should they hear Jim Palmer's talking to me right now? I need to care about this. Who are the most affected? The... Networks that run a lean, I, lean IT staff, they rely on a lot of defaults. They rely on a lot of things that are just sort of sitting there instead of going in and doing a lot of the work ahead of time. If you don't put the work into your network ahead of time, you know, when you set it up originally, you're going to run into problems because 
all these things that you've counted on since you know 1980 or whatever is all changing and so if you didn't take the time to do it the right way you know you sort of said look i got to deal with not only it but i got to go change the light bulbs because you're the janitor or you have you know all these things where you're just like, I need to rely on network defaults in order to get my, my network up and running. That's who needs to really pay attention. IT staffs that are large that go, you know what, we're going to do that extra step. We're going to set up dot one X networks. We're going to, you know, really dig into it and take the time to do all that stuff. They're probably a little bit better insulated. You know, they've spent the money to get the additional servers to get those additional features and and they've done that they've done their due diligence but the people that just sort of say hey you know what i need to go down and dirty i need to get it up you know quick i think those are the the networks that are going to see problems and it it spans all verticals it's not you know i can't sit here and say education is the only ones that are going to have problems because you know that's not the case it depends on on the work that you did when you set up your network you can have small, small schools that, you know, spent the time and they got cloud path and they're doing, you know, dot one X for everybody. And they have everything built and they, because they did that time, they took that time to do that. You can have large enterprises that were like, you know what, we're not going to spend the money on the IT staff. So we're just going to throw up whatever defaults we have. So it, it's a cross vertical thing. And it, it all comes down to, you know, did you take the time originally to set up your networks the correct way? No, uh, I think those are all absolutely valid points, sir. Uh, so let's do this. Uh, tell folks about how to contact you about your personal blog. What's the name of your personal blog? Where can they find it? Uh, everybody knows they can go find any of the blogs that we've talked about here on comscope.com. So you don't have to worry about that. I'll also put it in the show notes. But how do they get a hold of you and how do they find your blog? So the best way to get a hold of me is actually on Twitter. Um, I'm not, I don't really do the LinkedIn, I'm not refined enough. Um, I'm still a little rough around the edges. So I'm on Twitter. Um, at wireless Jim P and my personal blog, which I have to admit I'm, I've been neglecting lately, um, is Jim's wireless world. And you just Google that the other way to get, you know, find me really quick is if you Google DHCP option 51, um, my blog is the, the top hit on that. So that's it's good to rank for something. I rank I rank number one in DHCP option fifty one. <laughs> that's going to be on your tombstone. It is. He ranks number one on Google for DHCP option fifty. I mean, nobody cares about it, but for whatever reason, I got way more into it than anybody would ever want to know. And so, when you Google DHCP option fifty one, it's my blog. Well, now we know a thing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a half an hour with Jim Palmer from Comscope talking about Mac randomization and the evolving situation that has occurred since the change was made in iOS 14 just five months ago. Jim, thank you so much for your time today. We do appreciate you. Thanks again for having me. Folks, come back and join us again next time for another What's That Ruckus. My name is Sean Lucas, and I'm your host. We'll see you next time. <laughs>